0: What's up everybody, this is Word of a Rebel and today we're going to drop into a little bit of a history discussion. What often shocks me about people is whether they are natives to a city or they are newly moved to a city, doesn't matter how long people tend to be there, they tend to not really know that much about the city's history. And so it got me to thinking, why is that? I think one of the major issues with that is that we don't have local history taught in the schools, really. To be honest, I know that here I am, I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I can attest to the fact that in Louisiana, we typically teach Louisiana history, uh, United States history, and then uh, world history in some sort of fashion. And one thing, you know, I'm an advocate, I'm a big, big advocate for reforming history education because... Historians have a a lot of knowledge and a lot of archives, and a lot of research that has been done that is not included in the historical narrative that is taught to most American students. And this has been a political agenda, but it is a political agenda that we can overturn. The reason I say that is most people assume that just like math and just like, you know, science, that educators are determining the curriculum, but that's not the case. in in, when it comes to history and probably also English literature as well. um, But for for certain history, politicians have been determining what would and would not be taught, what topics would be discussed and in what way uh, in the history classroom. And that's something that absolutely needs to change. And we are at a prime time in human history to actually make that happen. Um, We have archives available all across the country with a wealth of knowledge. We've also got historians all across the country with a wealth of knowledge, any topic you can possibly imagine. And and this goes, you, you could easily, easily, easily do a Google search for any information about it. I highly recommend that while blogs are good because some people who are historians like me or do have blogs out and we do share information, we do have podcasts and whatnot, but anything that you hear, anything that you read, uh, make sure you still just back it up with support before you teach it. On the other hand, if you can find a historian with published work, they've already had to go through other historians and other and they had to find sources and primary sources historians. One of the great things about being a historian is you get to touch what's called primary sources. These are the documents and the items that the people actually touched and used in order to tell their history. A lot of people only think that happens with archaeology, but that's not true. Um, As a historian, I had to go into uh, an archive. Uh, I had to locate items. I had to read them. I had to view them. Sometimes they were photos. Sometimes they were newspaper clippings. Sometimes they were letters. And I had to read this information and piece together the story from hard evidence. That's the reason why I suggest that using historical research is more effective, because The people who write up historical articles have to document what primary sources they used, which means that I'm not saying trust every historian because everybody is is capable of making an error or judging something incorrectly. But what is really awesome is you can dive into a research article as a research project to teach you and your students how to question information. It's a great skill on top of the fact that you're gonna be learning so how do you do that? Well, you, you choose a history article and you go ahead and you read it and then you also look at the primary sources that were used to support each argument. So for example, um, one of my research papers was about uh, Lydia Cabrera who is um, who was <coughs> a figure in Cuba. She had a, um, a history museum, uh, it was a cultural history museum uh, in Cuba and I was writing about Um, the experience of people who had global networks prior to the revolution, uh, and what life was like for them in the aftermath, what what took place, Uh, and some other things that that came up in the historical narrative that were very, very interesting. Um, For example, um, Cabrera uh, was an intellectual who defied her brother-in-law in an effort to retell the narrative that he was trying to tell because her brother-in-law was trying to write about African history in Cuba and she felt that he was being demeaning, she felt that he was uh, writing it in um, a belittling fashion, not an honest taking up telling of the, of the historical narrative. And so when she herself went to school and got educated on history research and how to document, how to do anthropology, she decided to basically tell a more honest reflection of what she saw in her community and what the cubans were truly living like and what the history really had been and what it looked you know as she retold that defiantly you know and um among that research though i made a couple of speculations for example there was one particular um document that i couldn't tell if it was an article that she was writing or if it was a letter and it was called mi intimada Uh, i can't remember if it was amiga or conexiones it was something about intimate connection intimate bond and in the letter she speaks very fondly about spanish poet federico garcia larca who uh, was a revolutionary in spain who had been um who had been assassinated in a very brutal way and i connected her um, passionate retelling of his life and death and her friendship with him um, to her later work to free uh, Angel Cuadra, who was a Cuban poet, um, also revolutionary and, you know, and that he had criticized um, Fidel Castro's uh, administration because he felt that they had not remained true to the revolution's tenets. Uh, And so in in both situations, Lorca and Cuadra had both supported um, their people and then uh, criticized their people when their people did something they didn't agree with uh, and both were chastised for it and Quadra uh, actually went to prison for 15 years while some of his um, close friends had been killed and so I come I connected the way that she felt about Larka with her how she- much work she put in to try to help um, Quadra uh, escape Cuba now I'm not hundred percent sure about that I don't know if she drew a connection between the two but in the documents that I read it felt like that's what she was connecting so I'm saying that to say this um, historical research if you read my article you could look at the letters yourselves you could pull up the documents a lot of these are actually digitally um, you know um, protected they are available digitally at the University of Miami's archives and you could read it yourself and you and your students or just you yourself and your friends could decide, do you agree with me? Did she see the connection between Larka and Quadra, or was I the one seeing the connection between the two figures? There obviously was a, a historical connection between them. They're both revolutionary poets. They were both, beyond just being poets, they were they were political participa- participants. Um, Quadra, for his part, was uh, involved in the organizing. I believe Larka may have been as well. So there's a lot of connection between the two. So did I jump To that connection, did I see it myself, or was it a real connection that she also saw? But that's the beauty of historical research. You can dive into an archive, you can analyze documents, analyze the words of the people who lived in that time, and really get an understanding of it. So I challenge everybody listening today to take a look at your history archives in your city, find out who were the people who lived there, how did they live, what did they do, what things did they get involved in. In New Orleans, Louisiana, for example, one of the figures I uh, researched a little bit was Frances Godet, and I learned a great deal about her. And the way that I discovered the story of Frances Godet, it actually started with, um, I was going to an event that was at a community center named after her, and I was confused because I was like, you know, I always I'm always interested in finding out, I guess now more so than ever, about why certain spaces are named after certain people, and so you got like bridges, and you have got streets, um, and you've got these, you know, buildings that are named after various people. And I'm always like, well, why? Why that particular person? Um, so Francisco Day has the center named after her because of her work independently with providing shelter and education to the city's homeless youth. In the early 19 early sorry early 1900s um, I think she may have also started in the late 1800s I don't have my notes with me right now but basically the time frame in which she worked um, if a black child or any child basically but specifically black children who were homeless were targeted if they were outside um, you know at certain hours or whatever else uh, they would be arrested under uh, New Orleans vagrancy laws which did not allow for anyone who was black to be outside uh, during certain hours or in certain spaces. And so she, um, she came to New Orleans, I believe she actually moved here from Mississippi. And this was a woman who by current standards, um, she might be considered mixed Creole or simply just a black woman, a light skinned black woman. Um, but uh, I know, you know records indicate that she was of mixed ancestry would have been something like spanish or french from europe uh native american and african um and she moved here um and started working and saving her money um and once again i don't have my notes with me so I'm kind of going off off the top of my head with, with what i can remember but basically i want to say she was working as house as a housekeeper or something like that um, her job wasn't anything extravagant it was a typical normal job Um, She, you know, for a woman of that time period, a woman of color in that time period, uh, but she saved as much money as she could. And she bought a property with that money and she built a school on that land. She paid for the construction of that school and she brought in the kids of the community. She provided them with education uh, and shelter to protect them from being arrested under the vagrancy laws of the city. Her, um, and she was, you know, her work was recognized by one of the churches in the area um, that then later um, named this community, community center after her. Frances Godet also left a substantial um, sum of money that she, and, and, and everything that she worked on, she said that it had to go on in perpetuity to be used to help the children of New Orleans in particular, the homeless community, but she said it had to be utilized in that way. She gave um, control of her estate to the church that had recognized her work. Um, and basically that's what Francis Godet did. So there are people, there very likely are people uh, who are natives of New Orleans whose ancestors um, may have actually studied in Francis Godet's school and that they, they may, you know, their family path and trajectory um, were changed by this woman's decision to address an issue that she saw in the community and she certainly didn't have to and so i love studying these types of stories because number one we see here a woman not of wealth she wasn't born wealthy she didn't walk into wealth um, she was a woman of color of mixed ancestry who for the time in uh in new orleans Uh, would have been relegated to only certain roles and she chose to say I'm not limited or boxed in by society Uh, I'm going to break out of it and she was what I would call a box breaker you know and we need more box breakers and I think that we need to tell more of these stories so that people are inspired to realize that you know Francis Godet and the people of that time faced more stringent social restrictions than we do today We still have some, don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, if somebody like Francis Gaudet can break out of that box that they try to put her in and buy land and build a school and, and provide shelter and education to a large number of youth in the New Orleans community, you know, bucking the system, going against that established oppressive system that was determined to put these babies in jail these babies back into enslavement by imprisoning them she fought that and she's like no I see this problem I see what it is and I'm gonna do whatever is in my power to overcome that to help people get past that and she did it and not on a wealthy income this was a woman who worked you know a labor job a regular job she and she saved her money and made this happen because she made the choice she made the choice and she made a plan and she stuck to her plan and she saw it through. And that is how you achieve greatness. So I'm mentioning this story as a part of this historical context because this is what history is meant to be. It's meant to be inspiring. It's meant that you learn about who shaped your community. Because obviously, this woman has a legacy. You know, I don't know who the who the descendants of her students are, but I can tell you for sure that there's some people living today in the city of New Orleans and in other places who do owe uh, you know, to the, the right to pay tribute to this woman by recognizing um, what she meant to the city and then the legacy that she left behind. There are families that I'm sure have been touched by her. Um, and the city needs to know about these types of figures. And most recently, we have seen in the news, um, that the the fight to remove monuments really hit a climax recently and we did see that four of uh, four of the monuments have been taken down um, in order to remove these negative uh images of people who enslaved and oppressed to take away to say that the city should not honor people who oppressed well i personally feel that Frances godet deserves a monument and she also deserves to be included in the history textbooks and history curriculum of the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana, because she is an important figure. She did do impactful work. This is someone who exemplifies what it means to work hard, to make a plan, to see that that plan through to fruition and to, and to benefit and impact positively the world around you. That is the kind of citizens that we should want to encourage within our communities, and so I'm, I'm. So the goal of this topic today is number one. Start researching history. Don't rely upon the school to do it. If you are a parent, uh, if you are a teacher, uh, take advantage of the archives and whatnot as well. You can bring this information into your schools. You know that you have enough downtime to do so. Teach. What you're expected to teach because the school will definitely come at you if you're not teaching the curriculum but add a a little flavoring add a little spice to it bring in some of these exterior sources to your history classrooms to your english literature classrooms because you can also read about figures like francis godet in your class and it's a reading assignment okay and have them write about it and and respond to it read about francis godet talk about her and then write about what her example teaches you Write about how um, you could possibly live that example in your own life. Like these are the kind of assignments that should be and could be included very easily. It's why I encourage you as teachers to do that. But I also encourage parents out there to do that. And also, you know, you can do this type of assignment with yourself. You can give yourself this kind of assignment. <clears throat> and how powerful is that to, um, to give yourself a homework assignment of, being inspired by Francis Godet and reshaping your life and bringing that knowledge in and how it transforms you. And I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter what city you're in, there are figures like this in every city around the world. So, um, I, you know, of course, yeah, teach Francis Godet in your schools no matter what city you're from. But if you're like in Philadelphia, if you're in New York, if you're, man, if you're in a small town in Wyoming, I'm pretty sure that there are figures in your state who did great work, who meant a lot to the people of the past. You know, teach about these people. These are your ancestors. These are the people who shaped the spaces in which you live and work. Go ahead and pay tribute to them, honor them, and teach them and share their stories with others. Because if you do something great, I'm sure that you would want to be acknowledged for that as well. So everybody, this has been Word of a Rebel. Be sure to check back for more history topics as well as the economic topics and the relationship topics. You know how I do it. This is all about empowerment, empowerment through knowledge, empowerment through connection, and empowerment through, you know, self-understanding and self-appreciation. Once again, this has been Word of a Rebel. Be sure to hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Word of a Rebel. What figures do you want to talk about? What figures from your city do you think deserve recognition and honor? If you're in, in the city of New Orleans like I am, hit me up. What's some more information that I should be sharing about this city in particular? What do we have going on? Once again, everybody, as always, live, laugh, and love. This is Word of a Rebel. Peace.